We just heard from Mark chapter 11, this probably well-known, probably most of us will know this, um, this occasion of Jesus coming into the temple and cleansing the temple. It's one of the only stories, did you know this? One of the only stories that is mentioned in all the four Gospels. So all the four Gospel writers talk about this occurrence where Jesus comes in, flips the tables over and says some, some pretty um, strong words to the people who are in the temple. It's interesting in John's gospel. So John's gospel is the only gospel where he puts um, this occasion at the front of his narrative. All the other, the three other gospel writers put it towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And it, it might be, some people think maybe it happened twice. That maybe Jesus went into the temple and flipped the tables twice. Um, and John writes it chronologically because it happened at the start of his ministry. And the other gospel writers put it in at the end because it also happened at the end. And that could be possible we don't really know but but it's interesting that John puts it right at the start of his gospel he's really setting out the mission of Jesus and if we want to understand the mission of Jesus we need to really read and just see how the gospel writers put things together and for John this is of first importance he wants us to know how Jesus views prayer how Jesus views how we communicate with God and how Jesus views the father's house so in John's um, account, uh, he writes this, we won't turn there, but, but he writes uh, Jesus saying this, take these things away. Jesus comes into the temple, sees all the money trading going on, sees all the livestock. And Jesus says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Have you heard that before? That's how John says uh, what happened. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Here's the first thing that I want us to hear this morning. Your time is running out, kids. You're going to have to move faster, faster, faster. The first thing I want us to try and just grasp about prayer and developing a culture of prayer is this. It starts with having a passion for the Father. So Jesus says, John says in in his account, Jesus says, this is my Father's house. Now we want to grow a great culture of prayer here. We want revival, don't we, again in, in our city? I was just reading this week in 1934, that's when the last revival in Liverpool was. And it's interesting, the passage, one of the the key Bible verses for the men and women who gathered to pray for revival was Habakkuk 3, verse 2, which we're going to come to in a few weeks, where Habakkuk is really crying out to God and and saying, God, just bring, just revive us. We want to be back to to the days where we could just see your glorious work. Revive us. And the men and women across this city Hold it, held fast to that, to that verse and cried out to God for, for revival. And it came. 1934, coming up to 100, 100 years ago. Don't we want that again? Don't we want revival in our city again? Revival in Lark Lane, revival in our homes and our families. We want it. And it starts with having a passion for the Father. Jesus is passionate about the Father. He says, this is my Father's house. How does Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. If we want to develop a strong prayer culture at Liberty Church, which, can I just say as well, when you read about revivals, they all start with a movement to pray. They all start with God's people coming together to pray, to plead with God, to have a strong culture of prayer. That's what we want, but it starts with having a passion for the Father. Our motivation, folks, must be to be known and to know God. A strong culture of prayer starts with us as individuals having a great passion for our Father. 
St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said this, Lord, put salt on our lips so that we will thirst for you. You know what that feels like when you have too much salt on your chips or really salty Pringles, salt and vinegar flavoured Pringles, and you're just... I've had a really bad ulcer this week. I had one of those, you know, where you crunch your lip. And I thought my tooth was going to pop through. Thank goodness it didn't. But I've just been really, my lips have been so dry this week. And Augustine talks, comes out and prays to God and says, God put salt on our lips so that we thirst for you. So that we desire you more than anything. Like, like when we have something salty, we just, we really crave that water. Make, make our desire for you like that. I love in Psalm 42, you know, the, the picture, the, the sons of Korah write Psalm 42 and it starts like this. As a deer pants for, for water, so my soul longs after you. Have you heard that song before? Hands up who sung that song back in church a number of years ago. It was a, a little chorus that we used to sing back in church and it was lovely. The guy would get on the piano and it was, as the deer pants. Such a lovely kind of mellow song. Listen, that is not the picture that the sons of Korah are trying to paint. A deer panting for water, out of breath, desperate for a drink. It's almost the picture that they painted. It's being hunted down and pursued. And more than anything, it's just gasping and gasping for relief. That's the picture that the psalmist is talking about. And in the same way, we need to cultivate and have individually, uh, just men and women and children having a passion for God like that. When more than anything we need, we need to drink from him. We need to be with him. We need him to quench our thirst. Get that picture of Bambi out of your head. That is not what the sons of Korah are talking about. We need God. As human beings, we need God. And the good news is he has given himself to us. He has offered himself to us. All of his love, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his forgiveness. Ryan has already reminded us that comes to all of us through his son. Jesus comes and lives amongst us, dies for us, resurrects from the grave and opens the door for all of us to have God. Like we said this morning, what a privilege it is to have prayer. It is. To know God, to be in his presence, to be brought into his presence. That is only possible because Jesus has opened the door. Because he has died for our sin. And everything that blocked us out of the presence of God has been shifted away, removed, paid for. God welcomes us in. God is not a selfish God. He is generous. He wants to give himself to us. And so we should want to be close to God, not because we want stuff from him, but because we love him and because he loves us. How are we getting on, guys? A culture of prayer, folks, starts with a passion for God. So I want to ask us all individually, do you love him? Do you love him? Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's how you know if you love him. So this is a slight aside, maybe nothing to do with prayer. But you will know if you love God, if you are walking in his ways and following his commandments. If you're not, folks, I plead with you, confess and repent and come back to him. Walk in obedience to his ways. Show him that you love him by walking in his ways and his paths. Do you love him? culture of prayer at Liberty Church, folks, starts with us individually, men and women, having a passion for the Father. It's the second thing that we see, a passion for the house. Jesus says, do not make my Father's house 
the house of trade. He's passionate for the father's house. And as he talks about the house, he's in the temple of God. But what is, what is God's home now? Where does he dwell? In his church. Here. God's primary strategy for his kingdom to come, which is what we're praying for, is his church. Then we see that at the end of the Gospels, God sends out his disciples to go and make more disciples to baptize, to establish the church. We are his strategy for bringing his kingdom on earth. So secondly, we need a passion for God's house. Right, Liberty Kids, this is your moment. Come up to the front and bring the, um, the chair on the tray. You've got two letters I need you to bring up. Letter number one. Uh, downstairs, the kids have been getting letters from a man. What's his name called, Ruth? Bob. Bob's been writing the Liberty Kids some letters. We don't quite know who Bob is yet, but I think we'll find out one day. There's two letters for these next two points. Um, Gideon, why don't you open that up for us? We're going to read this one in a minute. Is that the right one? That's number two. We'll do that in a minute. Um, we're going to read that in a minute. But first of all, let's have a look at your house. Looking good. Who, tell us who we've got inside. Go ahead and call it, Micah. Who have we got inside the house? Zoe's inside the house. Anyone else? Uh, a robot. Anyone else? A dog. A dog. Anyone else? Micah. 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 Amy. Amy. Right, I'm just going to loosen them up a little bit, otherwise this isn't going to work. Okay, so we've got a few people in here. Um, what's the problem with the house? It doesn't have a roof. Now, is it sturdy? Is it strong? Yeah? Yeah. Is everyone happy in there? Yeah. Okay, what about now? <laughs> what happened? What? Uh oh, what's going on in here? Alright, what's happening to them now? No one can see, so explain what's happened. <laughs> what are they doing? It's a swimming pool. It's now a swimming pool. Okay, it's no longer a house, it's a swimming pool. Right, so let's read this first quote. Can you open it for us, Gideon? I think we just about missed all the electrics there. Maybe. You guys will find out in a minute when you start singing. Right, who can read? Why don't you read, read that one for us? Okay, our first quote, what does it say? Read it nice and loud. Family without prayer is like a house without a roof, open and exposed to all the storms of life. Great, thank you guys. Okay, take a seat for a minute, give them a round of applause. Take, your ne- take that letter, you can pick it up for a minute. We'll need you again in a, mis- in a minute, so listen carefully. Let me read that again. A family without prayer is like a house without a roof, open and exposed to all the storms of life. That was um, Thomas Brooks, who was one of the reformers a few hundred years ago, said that a family without prayer is like a house without a roof. It looks strong. It looks good on the outside. Yeah, everyone's happy in there. Everyone's having a great time, a bit of a party. The dogs, Zoe, Micah, it's all great. But then as soon as the rain comes, it's exposed to the storms of life. Folks, I really want to just encourage us. We've heard first, it starts with a passion for Father, having this culture of prayer. And then it moves to having a passion for the house. Do you love Liberty Church? Are you passionate about, this is your home. This is God's home. He dwells here. And we've been talking, we're trying to introduce us some new vocabulary to who we are as a people. And we're talking more and more about this being family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family together. This is Liberty family. Our children say that all the time, don't we? Our church family, this is family. And folks, unless we pray, we are exposed to the storms of life. That is true. I want to encourage us, protect each other. 
provide each other, grow this family. And we do that by persisting in prayer. If we love this family, then we will pray. Have we seen that in Habakkuk? Habakkuk coming to God, pleading on behalf of Judah. Why? Because he's angry? Because he's frustrated? No, because he loves his brothers and sisters. Because he loves Judah, because he loves the family of God. So he is willing to be audacious and come right into the face of God and say, God, will you do something? If we love this family, then we will pray. And let me just say, were Judah perfect? No. By no means. Is this church family perfect? No. We are a long way from perfect. There are things that individually we'd probably wish that we did differently. There are things, oh, this morning I've just been, like these guys have been coping with my slight anger. I don't get angry, but slight anger. It just, I, wanted, I want our own space. It's been a nightmare this morning trying to get this room ready. And I'm like, God, we just need our own building. There are things that we want that we don't have. There are things that maybe we do have that we think that we don't have. But let me tell us, we can't change something unless we love it. If we want to see change, if we want to see growth, if we want to see us grow deeper in our love for one another and our love for God, we need to love this family. And a great way that we show our love for each other is by praying for each other. And so do you love God? And do you love this place? Do you love Liberty Church? Are these people your family? Okay, here's the third and last point. Passion for the Father, passion for the house. Passion for prayer. Okay, guys, bring up the next and last letter. Do you want to try and read? Do you want to open it and read it for us, mate? Let's see how we get on. Okay, you open it. Ruthie can read it. Passion for prayer. This is Martin Luther, one of the um, most famous reformers, said this about prayer. Go on, Ruth. To be a Christian without prayer is no, no more possible than to be alive without me. Great. Okay, stand there for a second. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Okay, someone got a watch on them. Can count a few seconds. Right, you two, we're going to have a competition. I'm glad Gideon isn't here because I'm not going to be responsible for him collapsing then. You're going to hold your breath for as long as you can. Okay? And the winner, um, Johnny's got a great prize. Oh, Gideon, do you want to come and play? We're holding our breath for as long as we can. Okay? Um, Helen, who's got a... Okay, Elizabeth's got the stop clock. Why don't we all count? Let's count together. Come on, that's a great way that we can engage uh, uh, together in corporate voice. So you're just going to take a deep breath. And then hold your breath. Be honest. When you've given up, put your hand up. And mummy or Elizabeth will tell us when we've got a winner, okay? Don't forget to breathe. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's count down. Let's count down. Three, two, one. Okay, you ready? Three, two... One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. 25, 26, 27. You just breathe. Yeah, stop. Should we stop before something crazy happens? Were you two cheating? Were you cheating? Ah, oh, well, hasn't that proved, proven the point? Well done, guys. Go and take a seat.
Well done. Johnny will give you your prize. We'll see you that one, mate. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Do we get it? Do we get what Luther was saying? That's just not possible. We say we're Christians and we're not praying. We need to question whether we are, folks. Actually, it's, it's like our, our life, but it's like just us breathing out. And I love that picture of just, you know, when we breathe, we don't really think about it, do we? So often it's just we have to do it to, to survive. In the same way as we communicate to God, folks, we have to. Guys, there's some worksheets for you to do, actually. Johnny and Lottie will help you through those. I I said before that God's primary strategy for his kingdom to come is the church. Let me modify that a little bit. A praying church is God's primary strategy for the kingdom to come. I think that's, that's more appropriate. If you want to see God's kingdom come, we need to be a praying church. You know that God uses the prayers of the saints to shape human history. That's how he does what he does. He does it through us. He does it through our prayers. I was hearing an incredible story this week. Uh, one of my friends who's at a church in London was telling me about two of his friends. Um, a man called John and his wife, Linda. A couple of years ago in 2018, uh, John worked in the city. Uh, a, a businessman would commute into town. And this one morning he woke up. It was in August 2018. He woke up just with a deep sense of, I just need to get out into the city. He wasn't really a, a, a prayer warrior or, or a, a particularly a prolific in his prayers, but he just felt just this, just a, an unsettling in his, in his spirit. He had to go out and pray. So he got ready for work, got on the tube, arrived in uh, the city centre about six o'clock in the morning. It's almost dead. He's, he's thinking, okay, what do we do? So he just walked. He walked around and just prayed for an hour. Just walked around. His office was near... Uh, Westminster Bridge, so we just walked around for an hour praying. He's thinking, I'm an absolute idiot. Like, what are people going to think? They'll see me just doing loops around these streets. Just carried on praying as he was going. It got to about half seven and he ran out of things to pray. And he thought, I'll just, I'll just sit down and grab a coffee and just wait for work to start. So he sat down in a cafe and got himself a coffee. Uh, seven minutes later, a terrorist drove his car. You'll know the, the, um, the story from a few years ago. He drove his car into a group of pedestrians. Now, this was the second time that it happened. I shared uh, a close experience that we had. Uh, interestingly, at the time that he went out, his wife woke up and she didn't know why he'd gone out early, but she had a deep sense of just praying for something, praying for her husband in particular that morning as he went out to pray. And as he was praying around, he had a, he had a deep sense of just fear and danger. So he prayed, left it with God, sat down to have his coffee, and then he saw everything blow up in front of him. Three pedestrians were injured with minor injuries on that morning. A, a, a paramedic, an ambulance, was right behind the car that drove into those pedestrians. Within 30 seconds, he was able to get out and tend to the victims. No, no kind of deaths, no major injuries at all. As he reflected on what had happened, he realised God was calling him to pray, to intervene, to shape history through his prayers. It's incredible. I was just outside this morning, a lady just peering into the window. Just moved in a few um, roads down the street. And she's just standing looking in, asking what we're about. So I shared who we are and what we're about. And she just starts talking about moving in. And, and as she was saying, I just felt God just uh, lay on my heart that she was struggling to sleep. So she carried on talking and said, hey, you've got to pray for you. 
I said, yeah, that'd be great. I said, are you struggling to sleep? She said, I've been on medication, um, sleeping tablets for weeks now. And she started just pouring out my heart of breakdown in her family. And she said, yeah, would you pray for me? And so I prayed with her, just a real gift of being able to pray for, for peace in her family and that God would give her just a real rest tonight as she lays down her head. I didn't know anything about it. But God allows us to shape history through the prayers of his people. That's what he does. Folks, we need to have a passion for the Father, a passion for his house, and a passion for prayer. Think of Rebecca in the Old Testament. She's desperate for God to intervene and to bring the promise of a child. And she says, give me children or I die. Like she's just so desperate for God to move, so desperate to, for God to, to bring just fruit from his promises. Folks, I want us to feel a sense of anguish at, at God just bringing, bringing revival in our city. I want us to feel this the same weight and burden that Rebecca felt that many saints have felt before us. And we would feel the privilege that it is through God's church that he brings about and shapes human history. See in Mark's passage here, you see why Jesus gets so furious, right? This is my father's house. He has a passion for the father. This is his house and he has a passion for for God's people to come to him in prayer. Jesus is so angry because the court of the Gentiles where where, um, God's people could come and worship him, it's just been taken over by trades people. And they're extorting people. So outside the temple, you could buy a dove for, for, for 10p. Inside the temple, it's going to cost you two pounds. Like they were just ripping people off. The temple was a bit of a shortcut for the Mount of Olives. So shepherds would take their sheep, literally just cutting through the temple. This was meant to be the holy place where God's people pray. Women were separated from men. Gentiles were separated from Jews. People were being excluded. And Jesus gets riled up. He gets angry because that is not the kingdom. The kingdom is a place where the doors are open for anyone. God is a hospitable God. He wants to welcome anyone to come in. And so Jesus rightfully gets angry. This is where we come to to commune with God. This is his place. This is his house of prayer. We shouldn't be excluding people and cutting people off and, and separating people. Folks, you know what Liverpool needs more than anything else? It's not for shops to open up. It's not for, for, for us to kind of get back to normal. What, what the city needs more than anything else is the presence of God. It does. That's what Jesus is so passionate for. People just to have a sense of the presence of God and they're being pushed out. That's what this city needs. You see, it's not just us who have salty lips. They have salty lips as well. And they're trying to quench it in all manner of ways. Yet Jesus has placed us in this city us on this lane to open the doors so that they can come and be welcomed in and enjoy all that we get to enjoy from being in his presence Ryan and I just spent the last month or so a good few weeks just praying about what it looks like for us as a church to have a stronger culture of prayer and I want to commend us we are a praying church we've prayed well over these first few years I want to encourage us to to move deeper into a stronger culture. You see, I think what we've had so far is is prayer meetings, and they've been great. 
God has really answered prayer and brought us together. But the problem with, with prayer meetings is they're, they're restrictive in some sense and they're selective in some sense. But a culture is much more powerful. Think of all the great institutes, well, I call them great, all the big institutions in our world. They all have a culture and that culture is bigger than any one individual. So think about, hands up if you've got an Apple product on your person or in your house. Everybody. <laughs> all right, there's a culture. Steve Jobs, is he still around? No. Steve Jobs, one of the founders of Apple, died back in 2011. But he created a culture that was bigger than him. It was bigger than the individual. It was ingrained in all of the people who worked in Apple. All the big organizations are exactly the same. They are bigger than the individual. So we've had meetings. We've prayer walked. We've had Tuesday evening prayer meeting, Thursday morning prayer meeting. But we really feel convicted by God just to shake things up a little bit. To strip things back in terms of meetings. And to have a greater dependency on God in prayer with the things that we already have. In the gatherings that we already have. In the places that we already meet and the the units that we're already part of. Whether that's just in your home or in friendship groups or spouses or families. And allow just a real fervour of prayer to permeate in those places. So Elizabeth and Ryan mentioned the WhatsApp prayer groups before. Folks, I really want to just commend these to us and really just drive the importance of these they are a great blessing to us that is an incredible way for literally every person in this church to be prayed for and to pray every week and we don't need to feel the weight of of oh we've got to do this you can make that prayer wherever you want in fact i want to encourage us maybe just to think about those times share our own needs but also use that time to praise Use that time to worship. Use that time to pray about things that we're engaging in in terms of God's mission. Really just make these part of your week. Depend on them. Use those as a great way to engage with each other and engage in prayer and create this culture of prayer. Second space that we already have is our gospel communities. I'd love for every one of us to be engaged in our gospel communities. Our gospel communities are places where we we drive deeper into God's word, prayer, worship, and mission, and I really want to just encourage us to make our gospel communities the real hub for prayer in our lives. Don't think that our GCs are just there for Wednesdays. Like, go to the, the family that you have in your gospel community and share your needs in prayer and cultivate just this culture of prayer that is less static and is more just permeating through who we are. So I love the example that Matt and Beth have. They, they've just taken the initiative and gathered with some of their neighbours on their road and they just gather together and pray every now and again on Zoom. And then when they're able to meet together, they just host little things on the street and they just have this culture of prayer. I mean, what would it look like for our gospel communities to be the hub of prayer in our neighbourhoods? There's a great book that I read last year by Rosaria Butterfield, who's a writer over in the States. And she's just... Uh, taking the initiative, she went on the next door app and she literally just said to all our neighbours, we're going to have our door open Thursday night, we're going to have soup and prayer. If you want to come and pray, if you want a bowl of soup, just come. We're going to be here for an hour. Anyone's welcome. And people came. It's a surprising how much people like soup, but also how much they like prayer. Folks, I'm just standing outside and a woman who we don't even know wants prayer. People have salty lips, folks. Maybe we just need to be creative and bold in how we open up this great gift that we have of prayer. 
We have WhatsApp prayer, we have the GCs, and here's something new that we want to bring in. So our Thursday morning prayer, we're going to just leave that for now, and we're going to just really press in and say, okay, we know the importance of praying corporately together, but the, let's just be real. It's been four or five of us on a Thursday morning, and those times have been wonderful, but we all need to pray together. There's something powerful when all of God's people come together in prayer, all of us. And so every six to eight weeks, what we want to do is have a night of prayer. To go big, get somewhere on the lane. We're talking to a few people at the moment, just having a space. The guys are going to just play a load of songs for us. We're going to worship together. By that time, we'll be able to sing together. We're praying with our voices. I'm just going to pray. Press in and plead for God just to bring revival. Pray for each other. Have people come in and just give a few minutes teaching on different types of prayer. But all of us come together as the body, Liberty Church, come together and we prioritize that night. We say, yeah, we're going to get the babysitters in. Or the older kids can come along and we'll set some things for them. But just for this hour, every six to eight weeks or so, we come and we come together as God's body and we press in and we pray. They're the only structured things that we're going to have going forward, guys. The WhatsApp things are so flexible. GC is just family praying together. A night of prayer every four to six weeks. I want to encourage us to move to less kind of fixed appointments and to more of a natural culture. So what would it look like, folks? Just to, If you're sitting there just one afternoon and you're like, oh, I just want to pray for, for Lark Lane. And just to shoot a text out and say, does anyone else want to come and pray walk just for 15 minutes? Just walk up and down the lane and just come and pray with me. Or when you're out for coffee on the lane and just say, guys, can we just stop and pray for a few minutes? For it to be less about structure and more about a culture. Like Elizabeth was describing before, like a family prayer. We see a need and we just drop tools and we pray. That's what you want to cultivate. Starting with a passion for the Father, moving to a passion for this family and resulting in a passion for prayer. Samuel Chadwick, let me leave us with this quote. Samuel Chadwick, who was a revivalist in the early 1900s, said this. And let this be a warning for us. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. The devil does not fear us when we are prayerless trembles when God's people pray because when we do God is shaping history and he's opening up the doors and bringing people in out of the darkness into his light folks you know our real prayers this is a bit of a a turning point for us as a church we grow in this culture and we get to stand back as we see God bring the fruit that we all desire was growing in our love for him our love for each other seeing the lost brought in out of the darkness into his marvellous light let's pray Father we thank you we thank you for who you are we thank you that you are a hospitable God we thank you that you have brought us in through your son by the power of your Holy Spirit and we thank you for this body we pray that you would just grow in us a deeper passion a deeper love for this family that you brought us into Help us to believe that you answer prayer. Help us to believe that this is how you want to shape us as a church and shape the future of this city. So give us a passion for it. 
Give us the time for it. Give us the urgency for it. Give us the space for it. Create the culture that we so desire, Father, that, that we more naturally pray that it's just who we are and what we do. We want to see your glory come, Father. We want to see your kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you that we have this gift of being able to come to you confidently, boldly. Grow this culture for your glory, we pray, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen.